0: Hello, wise woman. I'm your host, Wanga Hanyani, and welcome to the Woman Wellness Podcast, a natural health resource for the woman who wants to take control of her life, heal herself, and live her best life. We'll talk about health, hormones, sexuality, fertility, skin, diet, lifestyle, and everything else in between to help you thrive as a modern-day woman with ancient wisdom. So without further ado, let's get into it. of couples who follow a fertility-friendly lifestyle were shown to conceive within the first 12 months of their fertility journey. So if you want to know how to make your lifestyle more fertility-friendly, let's get into it. Today I'm going to talk about some aspects of your lifestyle which can be changed or improved to promote fertility. And these are areas like toxic exposure, exercise, using light and sleep to promote fertility, positions as well as massage and other practices. Toxins. I've covered toxins in season one, um, talking about xenoestrogens and dioxins and other chemicals that disrupt hormones. So if you'd like more in-depth information on that, then go back to season one and you will find that episode. I also talked about them in episode one. Those are xenoestrogens and dioxins. You can go back to episode one and listen to that as well. These are hormone disruptors that can affect your menstrual cycle and therefore your fertility. Then you know about alcohol and smoking when it comes to fertility. They are counterproductive to improving fertility. So reducing alcohol intake and quitting smoking will definitely help your fertility. Smoking in particular is quite damaging to the little finger-like cells that help them move the egg from your ovary to your uterus. So there are cells in there that help to brush along that egg gently and when they're damaged that might not happen very well. So you are also at risk of developing um, blockages in your fallopian tubes as well as ectopic pregnancies. So smoking, especially for women who are over 35 and are trying to conceive, is discouraged. There are many chemicals, obviously. I just wanted to point out fluoride. Fluoride is in your toothpaste. Fluoride is also in your water, your tap water. Fluoride messes with your pineal gland. The pineal gland is also in your brain just like the hypothalamus and the pituitary which are part of your hormonal system. This can really disrupt the ovulation phase of your menstrual cycle. So I would opt for a natural toothpaste or make your own with bentonite clay bicarbonate of soda and coconut oil. And finally medications. Um, I had one lady text me the other day to say thank you so much for one. Uh, I think it was episode one, or it was one of the episodes where I talked about the medications and how she had been, you know, taking them chronically to manage her pain. But now she's improving and trying to use more natural methods of killing pain. So I'm I'm really happy to hear that. It's definitely not easy when you're in pain and you can just reach out for a pill, but to have the determination and understanding to go for more natural pain-killing methods is definitely better for you in the long-term hormone-wise and fertility-wise. Some of the medications that affect fertility are antibiotics, antidepressants, blood pressure medication, painkillers, steroids, and this is one thing that um, I just want to point out on steroids. I see a lot of women being put on Roaccutane and steroid creams to clear their skin issues. I cringe when I know, or I see, or I hear a woman being put on this because the damaging effects it will have on her ovulatory process is almost not worth it. You know, if her skin is having problems, then that the root cause needs to be found because just going at the skin with something as aggressive as a steroid cream is the last thing that you want to do. So estrogen and testosterone play a huge role in what your skin looks like, right? the health of your skin. And these are steroid hormones. Your sex hormones are your steroid hormones. So it's kind of hiding it in plain sight that if they're prescribing a steroid cream to look after your skin, um, it probably might be more wise to firstly understand what your steroid hormones are saying so that you can understand the root cause of your skin issues. And I believe that if you look after your steroid hormones or your hormones in general, your skin will improve because using a steroid cream, can be really damaging to your hormonal balance, particularly if you're trying to conceive. Interestingly enough, Clomid is also a medication that affects fertility and it is used to promote ovulation. But when overused, it actually has a negative effect on the body because you're forcing the body to do what is not normal to it, and that is to produce eggs at a more than normal rate and in more than normal quantities. Ulcer medications are also disruptive and decongestants. Decongestants are the medications that we'll be using when we have a flu. Just as the way they're supposed to dry up your mucus from your flu, they'll also dry up your cervical mucus, and that is the last thing that we want when we need sperm to travel well enough to meet an egg. Sleeping pills can disrupt fertility. I'll talk about this a little bit more in in just a minute when we're addressing light and sleep. Next one is exercise. You might not believe this because a lot of women have not been taught this, but you cannot exercise the same way throughout the month. You have to exercise according to your infradian cycle. I won't get into that. It's a whole topic on its own. But as women of a childbearing age, we have two rhythms that are very important to us, right? We have a circadian rhythm and we have an infradian rhythm. As it relates to exercise, you cannot exercise the same way throughout the month. Your exercise patterns should actually shift according to your menstrual cycle. One of the teams that I know uses this is the U.S. women's football or soccer team. They actually train according to the infradian rhythm. In my STEMWELL natural fertility protocol, this is where we break down each step. So we talked about food last week and all the practices that we talk about here, we actually come up with a specific plan for you according to you as, as a woman and where you are. In your fertility journey, and we break down each step and come up with the exact exercises or exact foods, massages, um, different practices, meditation, and whatever else you need to use to improve your fertility naturally. So, for example, in exercise, you have four phases in your menstrual cycle, and so with each phase, you will exercise differently. During your menstruation phase, we're looking at calming exercises. Um, ones that help manage your mood as well as manage any physical pain because your body is going through something. So we're looking at calming exercises like yoga to just help your body menstruate well. Then in uh, pre-ovulation, we're looking at invigorating exercises, exercises that get your blood flowing. This is where we look at aerobic exercises Strength training, this is where we do most of that work. Then ovulation, we're looking more at core circulation. You're not going to go on a trampoline. You're not going to go and do heat um, during ovulation because your body is in a very delicate place. So we focus on core circulation because blood circulation in your abdomen is very crucial at this particular time. This is really helpful for women who have abdominal discomfort, who have. PID, which is Pelvic Inflammatory Disease, women who get PMS, uh, women who have PCOS, who have endometriosis, who have fibroids. This is a very crucial point in the time and improving their fertility by focusing on car circulation is one of the areas that I really focus on. By the way, if you go to our Instagram page, to any our mindful movement practitioner and yoga expert, she put together a quick, easy yoga flow that will help you open up your hips, increase circulation to your pelvic area, and help you manage the stress that comes with trying to conceive. So go and have a look at that. It's very simple and definitely beginner-friendly. Into phase four, which is possible implantation, we also look at a different type of exercise to increase warmth to your body without overdoing it, right? Because this is where you're likely to be creating. So we need to support the body, increase warmth in the body, but not overheat and also not be shaking and jumping all over the place. Yoga, heat, aerobics, swimming, walking. Those are some of the exercises that you can incorporate into your menstrual cycle, not just for fertility, but for maximizing the function of your infradian rhythm. The next one, light and sleep. If we go back to episode one, I talked about moon cycles, and I think it was episode two, uh, tracking your fertility. We talked about how you can track your fertility according to the moon cycles. And these are lunar cycles. Women who are having a white moon cycle are the women who are ovulating at the full moon and having their period at the new moon. So these are women who are exposed to more light. They're exposed to more light during the day and the night. This is one of the main reasons why they're considered to be the more fertile of the two cycles because of their light exposure. Now, women with red moon cycles, are having their period at the full moon and ovulating at the new moon, which is when there's least light from the moon. So women with red moon cycles, if you are trying to conceive, one of the things that you can do is get more light. Expose yourself to more sunlight during the day. And then at night, during your ovulation period, you can use ambient light. Have sex with the light on and sleep with the light on during your ovulatory phase. And that exposes you to more light. I would also schedule a date with your partner during the day. So during ovulation, if you have a red moon cycle, I would I would definitely recommend that you have sex during the day. So there's some hormones that are greatly affected or greatly affect light exposure and sleep. And it's important to make sure that you're getting enough of these hormones or producing enough of these hormones because they will affect your fertility. The first one is vitamin D. And vitamin D is known as the sunshine vitamin. When the body is using it, it's actually a hormone. So we get it as vitamin D and then through metabolic processes in the body, it's converted into a hormone. And that hormone is needed for fertility. So this is why you need to expose yourself to sufficient sun. Women who have fibroids, women who have recurrent miscarriages, have also shown to have low levels of vitamin D. So getting that good old vitamin D, yes, you may need to supplement at some point, depending on your your vitamin D levels. But just being out in the sun about 15 minutes a day with no sunscreen, no sunglasses, because like it needs to get through your skin and through your eyes. Getting that just 15 minutes a day, if you're darker skinned, maybe 20-30 minutes a day, is the vitamin D you need. And that will improve your fertility. Vitamin D actually has a direct effect on your ovarian reserve, so in other words, how many eggs you have. So vitamin D is crucial for egg production. And just a little segue here, in terms of the coronavirus, if you are in South Africa, we are going into winter, and now's a good time to start getting that extra vitamin D, so that extra sun exposure every day. Um, as research is coming out, one of the reasons why the West is being currently hit so much is because they're in their winter time. Right, they're now going into spring, but they're still in their cold, in the colder months. Winter is when vitamin D levels are the lowest in people, and summer is when vitamin D levels are highest because of the sun exposure and the heat. So we are expecting that coronavirus will peak here during our winter months, and so getting your vitamin D now making sure that you are exposing yourself to as much sunshine as you can, because vitamin D is also a key player in your immune system. There is um, a doctor, Dr. Shiva, who I think is amazing, first of all. <laughs> um, he's on YouTube. He's running for US Senate in America. He's talking about a vit- low vitamin D is affecting... People who are exposed to the virus and why we need it. He's talking about natural health. So I would encourage you to go and listen to him. His name is Dr. Shiva. I cannot say his last name very well, so I will not attempt. But if you just check out Dr. Shiva, YouTube him. Wait, you can say Google. Yes, if you YouTube him, (laughs) you can find Dr. Shiva. So we've talked about light and now sleep. When we lack sleep, Our body is not happy. I will give an example of myself. When I lack sleep, I have brain fog because my body really needs sleep. I need sleep. Otherwise, if I'm stressed and I do not sleep very well, I can land myself in hospital. That's just how my body works. My body cannot tolerate stress very well. Cortisol, which is your stress hormone, is highest in the morning. That is normal. It's supposed to be high in the morning because it helps you get on the go. It helps you do things. It helps you be active. That's fine. And then it's supposed to be low at night because it's supposed to be calm down and help you sleep. Cortisol is the one that will make you feel agitated. It will make you feel all over the place if there's too much of it. If it's normal amounts, then you'll have energy. You'll actually have focus you'll you know you'll be ticking off your to-do list very well if you find that you are most active at night so at night is when you want to study at night is when you want to at night is when you want to do those really hard tasks that's a sign that your cortisol is actually higher at night than in the morning so if you're tired in the morning if you like you can sleep and wake up at midday This is a good indicator that your cortisol is basically producing in reverse. Cortisol should be high in the morning in general and should be lower at night. This is the normal. It's not common because a lot of people are, oh, I'm a night person. Um, I'm not a morning person. So this is very common, but it's not normal. Normal is high levels of cortisol in the morning and lower levels at night. This changes a little bit throughout the cycle, depending on where we are. Are we menstruating? Are we having ovulation? Or are we about to conceive? This changes a little bit. With men, it's the same throughout. But in women, this changes a little bit. But this is the general trend, and this is how it really should be throughout your cycle. Nurses, um, flight attendants. People who work night shift have actually been shown to have high levels of cortisol. And a study was shown to see how this affects their menstrual cycle and fertility. And it showed that because they have, you know, these sleep deprivation type of jobs, it lengthened their menstrual cycles. So it made it a little bit irregular. And then it also affected the ovulatory phase of their menstrual cycle. If you have one of these jobs, then you know there's not much you can do, but you can definitely now play around with your light exposure just to help you mitigate some of the the, the, the effects of not getting your sleep at night. But if you are staying on your phone, um, just scrolling the gram, or on Facebook, or on Twitter, or whatever it is, because... You can't get to sleep. It's time to start looking at mechanisms and practices that you can start to employ to help you sleep properly at night and wake up with energy in the morning. This is one of the aspects that we also focus on in my 90 day wellness program. We work on light exposure and we also work on sleep because we cannot track a good basal body temperature chart, BBT chart, if you're not getting enough sleep. We cannot track your fertility very well if you're not getting enough sleep. We cannot manage your emotions very well if you're not getting enough sleep. There's no person who is sleep deprived and is happy, right? Just in general, but also on a hormonal on a hormonal basis. I'll show you how in a minute. So too much cortisol will also cause inflammation in the body. And who reduce progesterone in the body. And progesterone, you remember, is the mother maker. I wrote an article on our website on how stress or chronic stress will cause your body to choose survival over fertility. And this has to do with cortisol. When you are stressed, when there's chronic stress in your body, whether it's emotional, physical, digestive, or chemical, your adrenal glands will steal progesterone to make more cortisol, and that is how your fertility is reduced. So I will link that article down below, have a read at it, and there's some practical steps on how you can start to manage stress. So we've talked about vitamin D, i.e. hormone D, and we've talked about cortisol, the stress hormone. Now there's melatonin, which is your sleep hormone. Can you see how they're all hormones, right? So hormone D is sunshine, cortisol is stress, melatonin is sleep. This is why your approach to fertility has to be holistic because there's so many different aspects. It's not just about taking a fertility drug. It's about what you eat. It's about how you sleep. It's about how you move. It's about how you think. And it's about how you feel. So melatonin is a sleep hormone. This regulates your circadian rhythm and your sleep cycle. When women are, or when people, (laughs) I'm biased towards women obviously, when people have sleep problems, they are prescribed melatonin because melatonin is what helps you sleep well. Melatonin is actually produced at night and then during the day that production is suppressed. If you wear sunglasses constantly, you are messing with your melatonin production. Because remember, at night when it's getting darker, melatonin is produced and suppressed during the day. But if you're wearing sunglasses during the day and then you're exposing yourself to blue light, which is on your phone, on your screens, through the night, you're messing with your melatonin production. And that will throw off your sleep cycle. Melatonin is the key player when it comes to removing free radical damage or oxidative stress in your body, particularly in your reproductive system. Uh, This is a hormone that you don't want to be low on. One of the main causes, and often labeled under unknown causes of infertility, is oxidative stress or inflammation in the body. Melatonin is the hormone that will help get rid of that. So you don't want to be deficient on melatonin. And I'm talking about natural production of melatonin, not the melatonin that you're going to drink. It can be used, of course, in extreme cases of insomnia and that someone is really sleep deprived. But I'm talking about just changing your lifestyle and making sure that you're training your body to power down at night and power up in the morning. So dysregulation in melatonin will also lengthen your cycle or will likely make your period irregular. You're likely to experience more painful periods or more inflammation in your body from a lack of melatonin. And melatonin, not surprisingly enough, is found in the follicular fluid. It's the follicle that will release the egg, that fluid that's in there, has melatonin. So you know how sleep is very important to maintain a healthy level of melatonin and produce healthy follicles. The demand of melatonin also increases through pregnancy. Finally, we have serotonin, the happy hormone. As we've seen, it has nothing to do with the physical. We've talked about exercise, now we're talking about everything else. Light exposure, sleeping well, managing your stress, and now managing your emotions. So serotonin is responsible for your mood. A dysregulation in serotonin, will lead to anxiety and or depression. Serotonin is also needed for egg maturation and embryo development. So in other words, you need to make sure that you're managing your emotions right from your premester and throughout your pregnancy. This is so important for women who are trying to conceive because it can get stressful, especially if you're not, you know, making headway or you don't know what is going on. It definitely can get stressful. But when we are stressed, when we're lacking sleep, when we start to get depressed, our egg reserve gets affected, our ovulation gets affected, our egg quality gets affected. So it's important to manage all these. And when it comes to serotonin, Coping mechanisms are so important. If you find that you're getting stressed or anxious or depressed, it's really good to find mechanisms that will help you, whether it's through movement, so taking a walk or journaling or talking to somebody. But just make sure that you're really managing the stress, you're managing your emotions, you're managing your sleep very well, because all these play, as you've seen, a very crucial role. In my Stemwell Natural Fertility Protocol, we go through these pointers, improving the the sleep cycle, managing stress, whether it's through some herbal formulas as well as just coping mechanisms to improve the mood. It's so, so important to do this. So now let's look at positions and practices. If you're having pain mid-cycle, just going back to your menstrual cycle, if you're having pain mid-cycle, not the simple, you know, little tugging pain that some women feel when they're ovulating, but if you're actually in pain, in very notable pain during mid-cycle, that's something that you need to alert your doctor of. Lubricants, if you're going to use lubrication, use fertility-friendly lubricants. There actually do exist lubricants that help with sperm movement. It has little channels and striations that help the sperm move through. And fertility-friendly lubrication actually has that same structure. And it also has a good pH that won't destroy sperm and can actually help the sperm survive longer while it's waiting for the egg. There's quite a few fertility-friendly lubricants. Pre-seed in particular is one that I know actually has the scientific backing of how well it works for fertility. But even if you can't get pre-seed, just any fertility lubricant will definitely be better than a general lubricant. Then it's important for you as the woman to orgasm. I don't need to say more, but it literally gets your creative juices flowing. It's important for you to orgasm because the spasms that happen when you orgasm help to move sperm along. In terms of positions, first and foremost, when it comes to positions, if you're uncomfortable, don't do it. What I mean is if you're in a sexual position that is uncomfortable for you, don't do it. Because your body's just not going to respond in a pleasurable way if you're in pain or uncomfortable. If pain and uh, discomfort is a common occurrence for you during sex, find out why. It's important for you to actually find sex pleasurable. So you need to note your pain. Where are you feeling the pain? Is it during penetration? Is it at orgasm? Is it just in certain positions? Note your pain and follow that up with your doctor, especially if you're having pain at penetration. Missionary and primitive positions are fertility friendly. I don't like to call it doggy style. (laughs) I think it's just (laughs) anyway, but I prefer to say primitive because if you look at all of nature, that's kind of how it mates, you know, Um, in doggy style. Oh, gosh, I don't like that term. (laughs) But yes, so those two positions are the most effective because they offer deeper penetration and that makes it easier for sperm to travel. When the woman is on top, you're playing against gravity. I would advise to stay away from anal sex when you're trying to conceive because of the likelihood of developing an infection or cross-contaminating each other because infections are also one of the most commonly overlooked causes of infertility. It could be just a low-grade infection that literally just needs antibiotics. But if one person is taking the antibiotics and the other person doesn't, and then you have anal sex, you're likely to give each other that infection. And then one of the things that you can do to kind of help things along, it's not... You know, it's not a must, but it's definitely helpful and you don't lose much. And I think it's actually very relaxing because you're improving blood flow to your pelvis. So this is looking at it at a more functional state that we want to improve blood flow to the pelvis. So after you have sex, after coitus, don't move around. Don't start, you know, running off. <laughs> uh, de- Well, of course, depending on where you are. But after you are done, lay down with your legs up against whether your headboard or wall with your legs straight up and your back flat on on, on the bed or on the floor, wherever you are, for at least 10 to 15 minutes. And that, one, helps with blood flow to the pelvic area. And two, that will help move the sperm along a little bit better. So that's something that you can do when you're done having sex. And then cuddle. Research actually shows that cuddling with your partner boosts progesterone and we need progesterone if we want to have a healthy luteal phase which is ovulation and implantation phase so make sure that you you are cuddling with your partner and not running off in opposite directions when you're done and finally how to massage for fertility there is actually a whole way to do massages. I cannot explain this ve- <laughs> It will take me forever. This is where probably a rec- a video recorded podcast would be so much better because I would be able to demonstrate to you how to do a massage. Maybe I'll do a video on how to do fertility massages and we'll have that loaded up on the Instagram. Um I will look into that. You would be massaging in all four phases. So one to relieve pain, next to improve circulation and promote follicular formation and then enhance ovulation as well as implantation. So the massages look at all those different phases and help to promote fertility in that way. Everything that I've gone through in this episode and the episodes before. This is all part of my Stem All Natural Fertility Protocol. So if you're interested in this and you'd like me to work with you on your natural fertility, then drop me an email, wanga at womanwellness.com and we can get the ball rolling. This protocol is not available as a program. I'm still trying to see how I can best package it For people to just be able to access everything and work with it at their own pace. But as of now, I implement these practices when I'm working one on one via coaching. So if you'd like to do consultation and coaching with me one on one to improve your fertility, then email me wanga at womanwellness.com and then we can get you started. So there's one practice that I wanted to point out in particular, and that's acupuncture. Acupuncture has been shown to really help fertility issues. If you can get acupuncture or if you can incorporate acupuncture into your fertility journey, that would be great. If you can't, it's not a train smash. It doesn't mean that you're not going to get pregnant, but it's definitely one of the practices that I would incorporate. But one word of caution Make sure that you're getting acupuncture from a reputable person, from a licensed person, and that there's a track record of them that you can follow. You don't want someone who's not experienced to be doing this on you. So definitely do your research before you go to an acupuncturist. And just a few other things. I would avoid douching. And then washing with no soap, which is just water. Whenever you wash yourself down there, just wash with water. That's all you need. She is self-cleaning. She doesn't need soap. She doesn't need um, feminine washes. If you're having an issue with discharge or odor or any irritation of some sort, find out what's the root cause of that. Don't use fem washers because those are disrupting. They will actually either affect your cervical mucus or cause some more inflammation than you need. So unless there's a specific condition that you're dealing with and that it's you really just need to take care of it now, then okay. But always find the root cause of why you're having that odor and why you're having the discharge if there's an abnormal discharge because when you take care of that then you don't need to use a fem wash and so that's it that's it for the fertility lifestyle those are just simple yet very effective things that you can do from today to improve your cycle and fertility from the next episode I will now be going into specific conditions so fertility and PCOS endometriosis uh, fibroids will take one episode at a time and look at these conditions and how you can improve your fertility while also managing these conditions. I hope you found this episode helpful. If you did, please rate and review it so that it gains more reach to more women who need it and share it with another woman who's also hoping to see that positive sign on her pregnancy test. Take care and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for tuning in today. If you'd like to know more about woman wellness, check out our website and all the resources available to you. Just a reminder that all information shared is for education purposes only and must not be substituted for medical attention. That being said, remember that true health starts with what you eat, drink, and how you choose to live life every day. So choose wisely. Subscribe to the podcast and don't forget to rate, review, and share this episode. Until next week, Be well.